Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join special guest Rocky Russell as he teaches from the Word of God. This is the first time uh, that I've been asked just to come to the stage and introduce myself. And I told Pastor, I said, well, that was actually kind of my favorite part of coming to River of Life, is hearing all the nice things that you guys say about me. I actually go back and listen to the podcast just so I can hear all those wonderful things each time. So I'm going to have to say them about myself, maybe. No, we won't do that. But I will introduce you for those who don't know me. My name is Rocky Russell, and I was on staff here for six years as a youth pastor. Uh, When this building was first built, I was here. Um, Seems like that was kind of the bulk of the work we did back then was build this building. And if you were here, God bless you. Uh, this is a this is a miracle uh, sanctuary and a miracle building, and I think of it often. And I'm always encouraged to come here and see new faces and people who are worshiping the Lord. And that song has just stirred me this morning. The idea that the Lord would just pass by, and His goodness would pass by. And church, before I say anything else, I just have to say to you: if you just get one touch from the Lord today, if you just get one whisper from the Lord today. One one word from the Lord will change your life. It will revolutionize who you are as a person. And if you don't know the Lord, it will draw you into an eternity of His faithfulness and His goodness. Just one word, just one touch of Him passing by is enough. It's enough, church. And so, so be looking for that today, beyond what I may share with you. And I pray you catch something more than what I've brought, because the Lord is here. He is here, and He wants to work in your life today. Amen? Well, in way of introduction, let me tell you, I, um, I've been here for a couple of days, uh, staying over in uh, Weewahitchka. Jealous? <laughs> Because my dad lives in Weewahitchka, and they were really impacted by the storm. And uh, we were raised, born and raised in Jackson County, and the farm is still in Jackson County. And it's just a bird nest. It's 80 acres of just turned over trees. And so I've come down from Virginia Beach, where I live with my family, to help my dad with some of those things and put some things in some kind of order. Uh, I know it probably impacted some, some folks here. If you haven't driven over that way, it is... It's another world. It is just, it's hard to believe. And and for a lot of people, and I think my dad's probably one of them, it was just a little too much. It's just a little too much. And, you know, that much damage and that much chaos going on and and everybody is is going in different directions. And so we're believing the Lord to work a lot of that stuff out. But just practically speaking, I've come to help him with some of those things. Um, And I know uh, because you kind of indicate when I shake your hand, you know, where's your family? I know you want to see them and, and are disappointed they're not with me to the point that I think uh, uh, I'm about 10% of the package when it comes to <laughs> Rocky's in town. Yeah, where's his family? Okay, well, they're not here. 
uh, but they send their love and greetings from Virginia Beach. I am the executive director of a program called Teen Challenge. We help teenage boys aged 12 to 17 who have addictions, uh, uh, life-controlling problems like addiction, and they come to us from all over the country uh, to live in a residential program for at least a year, and we provide them Christian discipleship ministry that helps get them back on track. It saves their life, actually, and we see a lot of miracles there at Teen Challenge. But I came to bring you a word from the Lord. Do you want it? Yeah. Amen. Uh, I want to... Uh, I want to, I have a bedrock text today in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, but I just want to read you a, a quick passage from Psalm 73, 26. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, forever, forever. It never ends. And church, before I say another word about this message, I want to make, this statement to you, never count me out. Never count me out. I hope you're saying that about your own self today. Never count me out. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we come to you today and we are so moved by your presence in this house today. And and we just want to stay in that flow. Whatever that means today, we want to stay in the presence of God. We want to experience more of you. We want to hear the words you have for us and we want to experience whatever it is that you want to do in our lives. But we know one thing is we can leave out of this place today forever changed. We, we, can, we can leave out of this house secure in our knowledge that you have us in your hand forever and that we're safe in you. There's no need for fear. There's no need for disunity or division. But we can have complete unity And be united in Christ today with the knowledge that we will live forever and never really die. We love you, Jesus, and we we long for more of your presence today. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. So the psalmist talks about something that we all go through here, and that is we all fail. At some point, we all crash and burn. That sounds over the top, but I have yet to meet somebody who doesn't have some story of a point somewhere in their life where things just got out out of hand. There's nothing you can do about it, whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's a financial difficulty, whether a big hurricane is bearing down on you and it seems like there's nowhere to go. The storms of life will come and there will come a time when we experience the failures that come along, that come along naturally. But we can remember, as the psalmist Asaph says, that he is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He says, my heart and my flesh may fail, but he did not finish there. He said, but God, but God. I may have a flat tire on the road, but God, I may be at the checkout line and my card won't work. Help me, Jesus, but God, I I may be at work and somebody's acting crazy, but God, my children may be acting crazy, but God, he is in control. He is my strength and my portion forever. And these words mean so much to us, don't they? Where would we be but God? God, where would we be? So uh, I, I want to take us to our bedrock text, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 
Verse 24. If you hope to win the prize, you must be willing to compete. If you hope to win the prize, you must be willing to compete. Bottom line, if you're not in the race, you can't win. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. A few years ago, I was on the, the old bridge, or I guess it's kind of a pier now, from St. George Island on the island side. And I love to catch Spanish mackerel off that pier. I'm not good at it, uh, but I love it when I catch one. <laughs> and so uh, <clears throat> I was out there by myself, you know, casting. And these people next to me, were they were just reeling them in. And I thought, what is going on? So I walked down there, and I'm looking around. She's like, uh, what you want? So I'm trying to see what you guys are doing. She said, the same thing you are. Except we have 12 hooks in the water and you have one. And I looked around and sure enough, they were in every direction. They had, they had hooks and uh, topwater lures. They were reeling. It, it was a couple of them there. And, and they just had a, a, a lot more going on than me. She said, the more hooks, the more fish. And if you don't have your hook in the water, you're not going to catch anything. So get back over there and start fishing. <laughs> Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and they had a lot of trouble going on. They were in division on issues concerning the church. And this division was slowing them down. He said, run in such a way as to get the prize. Rather than racing, rather than being in the race, you're sitting around and you're fighting and you're in discord and you're in disunity. You don't have your hook in the water. And church, I'm here to say to you today, I plan on winning. I plan on winning. And it is the Lord's plan for my life. And again, I say to you, I hope this is something you say of yourself. I plan on winning. It is the Lord's plan for my life. I am not going in defeated or rejected. I'm going in with victory and with God on my side. And I, this is part of introduction I left out. I was raised in a really Pentecostal church. I mean, shouting and running and marching around outside and all kinds of stuff. So you can't shout me down, okay? As a matter of fact, if you've got handkerchiefs you want to wave or whatever, but I believe in interaction, and so I want you to take just a minute and just shake your neighbor and say, I plan on winning. I plan on winning. Guess what? You're winning right now. You are winning right now. And church, I know this because I have been a youth pastor. I've been a senior pastor. I was a church planner. I was a church planner with about 40 people in my congregation. And I can tell you, even in a congregation of 40 people, there's somebody there who's not winning. Somebody who's complaining. And somebody who is uh, uh, complaining about condi conditions. 
but they are not an agent for change. Somebody who's not in the game. Somebody who complains about the condition of the community but won't work for change. Complains about the condition of the church but won't pray for change. Complains about the need for revival but won't fast and pray. When I was a senior pastor, this little tiny congregation, uh, I, I had a person come to me one time with it. Eight pages of complaints against me. Single spaced. It was, it was stapled at the top. They called a council or something like, we got to review all these things. And I sat there and I just, I never did read them. I, I mean, it's one thing. I know you should listen to your critics. But this is over the top. <clears throat> and I sat that document down and I said, ma'am, I don't do eight pages of things right, much less eight pages of things wrong. Church, we got to get in the game. If there's something you see that needs to somehow be enhanced by the presence of the Lord, then we got to pray for that. We've got to get in the race. It will not do to sit on the sidelines and just holler back into the crowd, hey, I see what y'all need to be doing. I'm going to let that just sink in. Y'all are getting that. Both words in Paul's message to the Corinthians mean basically the same thing. He says you've got to take part and you must be in the race to take part in the reward. Take part in the race to take part in the reward. Point number two. Everybody crashes and burns and everybody wipes out. Everybody. And I mean that in love. I know it's probably not you, but probably somebody on your row. Everybody crashes and burns and and has a, a moment. And it may not make the newspaper. It may not overwhelm the system. It You might get through pretty good. But the fact is that moment in time is either come, is here, or is coming when something is going to overwhelm that system and you're going to be like, well, I'm, I'm in desperate need of the Lord. And if you could just take that away from today's message, remember this, and I'm going to shout if I can't get this out of me and communicate it to you as, as much as the Lord wants to say it. You can never, ever get so far away from home that you can't come back home. Ever. You can't ever get so far away from the cross that you can't come back to Him and experience His goodness and His mercy. Whew. We may have to run. This, this, is, this is the Word of the Lord today that, that you can't ever get so far out of His reach and His love and His care that He can't pull you back in and, and restore you to faith and fellowship. He wants to have relationship with you and, and, and to bless you in the earth and to show off His glory through the goodness that, that He has for your life. That's the God we serve. But, but with that in mind, have you ever just had one of those days? Or one of those weeks? Or one of those months? <laughs> or one of those years? A decade, somebody... <laughs> Help my brother. That's 
Well, it's t- today's the day. That's all I'm going to say. Today is the day. Listen, we have those moments and Asaph says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. Do you know Asaph's name means assembler? He's somebody who, who, who his name means to bring together. And where would we, where would we be today if it weren't for the assemblers in our lives? The one who introduced us to Jesus. The one who brought us that first time to experience the Lord. Where would we be? Let's, you know what? Let's just take a moment and thank God for the Asaphs of our life. The assemblers. Thank you, Jesus. I, uh, I'm looking for Chuck Coburn. We came over in October. Uh, it was a Wednesday night. Many of you were here during that service and I, we drove up in these two big trucks and there's a long story to that, but we came to bring relief supplies for people in the hurricane and about five or six of your men from this church came with us. We left the next day and, and, and went over there and I got the opportunity. It was just brief, but we went to the church I grew up in as a child and their sanctuary has moved on the property next door, but they still have the old building where I got saved <clears throat> and I, I was just overwhelmed. I just got the guys together. I said, I got to show you something. I got to show you something. I got to show you a monument of God's faithfulness. And we went in there. There was no pews. They'd all been taken out. I think they use it for a youth room now, but the carpet was still there. And I said, that's the spot where brother Talis Henson prayed for me to get saved. That's the spot where a man of God took time out of his life and invested it in prayer. That's the spot. And I pointed right there where he used to sit and and not just sit, but lay on the carpet and just weep for us. Weep for these snotty-nosed little boys that used to come in on a church van and had to go way out there in the peanut fields to gather them up out of their mobile homes and bring them to this church. That man got on his face before God and prayed in young men to be saved. And to the day he died, he was praying for us. He's an assembler. Someone who's a reacher and a bringer and someone who's, who's recruiting people into the kingdom of God. Even though Asaph was familiar with crashing and burning, he knew how to worship. And church, I want to tell you, and I don't feel like I have to say that in here, but knowing how to get God on the scene through worship uh, is a critical enterprise of the kingdom. He's here. He is here. He is here and, it, and the worship sets the atmosphere for the move of God inside this house. The enemy, though, will do everything he can to sow seeds of doubt. And he is a liar and he is dumb. Satan does not know how committed you are to following after Jesus Christ. He doesn't know how willing you are to worship. He doesn't know what you're willing to set aside so that you can pursue a deeper walk with Jesus Christ. He just knows He can try to trip you up and keep you spun out all the time. That's the work of the enemy. But he, what He doesn't know is your commitment to follow after the Lord. He, the, he'll sow seeds of doubt looking for your joy, trying to rob your purpose, getting you so filled with regret and shame and the enemy will jump up on your shoulder and make you feel unworthy unworthy to worship and that's a lie from the enemy 
I don't care how bad your day was. I don't feel how far you feel away from the Lord. It's time to worship. It is time to worship. And it will never be out of order to come in and say, it's time to worship. It is time to press in. It is time to catch hold of the hem of His garment. It's time. It's time. It's time. All right. Listen, we don't worship God because we're worthy. We worship because He is worthy. Point number three. I have four. Your haters aren't even in the race. Most people who sit off in the cheap seats and are critical and discourage you are not even in the race. Never allow those who are not in the race to discourage you or get you off track. That may not be a problem for you, but at some point in your Christian walk, you will experience it. At some point in your Christian... Listen, let's just be, can we just be real? Let's just be real. You don't know how far the person next to you, the people sitting around you, have come from to be here today. Raise their hands and worship the Lord. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know how far I've come. Not in the last 10 years, not in the last 10 months. To be able to come in and just raise your hands in the presence of the Lord, just worshiping. You don't know. And that person who's come in to worship may have had not only to fight the, the, the past and the memories of things that have happened and the carnal knowledge of, uh, of things that have gone on back when. But now they're fighting the enemy who won't stop reminding them of what's going on. I know it's true for me. And from time to time, somebody will come along and say, I don't know why you're thinking about getting a miracle from God. You had not been to church in six weeks. Why would he bless you? Now, they're not going to say it like that. It's always more subtle. But that's the message we get from the world. You've been living like the devil. There's no way God's going to bless you. I, I know uh, the voice comes into your head. I, I know what you uh, were involved in last month. There's no way that you can go back to God. That's the message from the enemy, and it is a lie from hell. And I'm here to expose that today and say, let your worship and let your praise overcome those things. Never allow those who aren't in the race to discourage you. Galatians 5, verses 7 through 8 say this. You were running well. Who hindered you? In the NIV it says, who cut in on you? Who cut in on you? You were running well. Who cut in on you? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from Him who calls you. 
I know we blame the devil for too much stuff sometimes, but that's, that's a tactic of the enemy, to cut in on those who are running their race. Do not let them overwhelm you. Paul wrote this in a time when he's admonishing the people of Galatia to give up idolatry. These people were spending a third of their waking hours worshiping all kinds of idols and false gods, having to bring sacrifices, spending themselves in worship of false gods. Religion had become a noose around their neck and it was choking them. And that is where Paul brings this message and he declares the gospel that says it is not what you do, but it is about the cross of Jesus Christ. It is not about what you can do, but what Jesus has already done for you. That was the message. And then a group came in called the Judaizers and they didn't believe that Jesus saves Period. They believed Jesus saves, comma. And they had grown up bound up and tied up with religion. And they went right back to where they started. And Paul said, you're getting bound up and pulled down by things that will not keep you in the race. It is only the cross. Only the cross. Paul says, who hindered you? And church, I just want to tell you, I've made up my mind. I'm not going to be hindered. I'm not going to be hindered. Maybe I don't have everything put together. Maybe there's still things stirring around in my heart. Maybe maybe I'm still figuring some things out. But church, I'm not going to be hindered. I want to follow after Jesus. He wants me to worship Him. And I'm not giving anybody the power to rob me of my praise. Amen? Amen. So let folks say what they want. And, and uh, dog, dog me out if they want to. That's fine. I'm out in the world. They can say what they want to say. But I'm going to get up and keep running. And we all have to have lives of perseverance. We got to keep going. Keep moving. Even, even the snail had to make it on the ark. Amen. That's funnier than y'all are letting on. I actually have said that before in church and I couldn't hardly get control of the congregation. I, they, they just lost it. They just were, I could. <clears throat> and Cindy, my wife, she said, you realize you're not funny, right? <laughs> They're laughing at you, not with you. <laughs> they just think it's cute that you're trying. That's, so I, I stay pretty humble. I stay pretty humble. Um, I, I'm going to stop and tell another little quick story. This has nothing to do with the sermon. But I was at a church, uh, I get to preach a, a good amount in the area that we're in in Virginia Beach. I'm kind of the utility preacher, you know, the pastor's sick or um, whatever. <clears throat> so they'll call, one time I got a call, the, the pastor said, oh, Pastor Rocky, can you preach on Sunday? It's like Saturday morning. And uh, can you preach on Sunday? I said, what's going on? I've got kidney stones, I'm not going to make it. Okay, so I'm the kidney stone preacher now. <laughs> but I went to this one church and the pastor's out of town, it was very low attendance in this church that day and it was already a small church and something happened that never happened before um, uh, and and if I hadn't been there I wouldn't have believed it <clears throat> a spider descended from the top of the ceiling 
on a string and stopped right here. And because of the way the lights were set up and everything, the congregation could not see the spider. And I don't know what the physics principle is, but it, you ever pass the semi-truck on the road and it kind of pulls you in closer? Every time I would pass the spider, he would come this way like that. <laughs> and I put up with that for about five minutes. And finally, I just closed my Bible and I, I looked at the congregation. I said, do y'all see this? I said, this is spider. They're, no, we don't see that. I said, well, I'm going to have to take care of it. And I looked around. There was nothing. <clears throat> and so I just went, yeah! <laughs> and I... <laughs> I, I killed the spider. And Cindy said that wasn't funny. So I didn't. But that's a true story. That actually happened. All right. Point number four, and this is my last point. Point number four. I may fall down, but I don't have to stay down. Now you can lay. Amen. <clears throat> You can languish if you want to. You can. Or you can say this. Devil, the blood still works. The blood still works. I can still get up and do what God has called me to do. I hope you're sensing a theme in all of this because if you find yourself, you say, man, I've really messed up. I've done some things wrong. You can still get up. Right in the midst of that, get up and serve the Lord. Get up and call on His blood. Get up and tell the devil he's a liar. Let me tell you something. When I look across the Word of God, and and maybe this is subjective on my part, but the height of sin to me in my mind is when the Roman soldier thrust a spear into the side of the crucified Jesus. What more can be said of the arrogance of the world that would thrust a spear into the side of its already crucified Savior. What more can be said? But the very next thing that happened is that His precious blood began to cover the tip of that spear. And church, His blood is still covering that spear today. The blood of Jesus Christ covers, the, the, it blunts and mutes the tip of the spear of the enemy. His blood is still flowing for us today. And the, the very next thing, uh, the, the, after such an uh, uh, arrogant uh, act from the world, is that His blood is made available for all who will. My sin, my darts, my failures, those times I came to the cross with a clenched fist. Those times that I stood guilty, His blood covers it all. He still covers my darkest sin with His precious, redeeming blood. And it will never lose its power. Never. As long as the blood is still able, you can never fail. You can never lose as long as the blood is still able. And despite what religion says, despite what church folks say, despite those things, you cannot lose. And let me ask you this. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to have your eternal destiny tied to the one who not only created you, but gave up his life for you? Yes. Yes, it's worth it, Lord. 
Yes, it's worth it, Lord. If you're on the fence today, if you say, man, I don't know if I should follow after God or not, we're all, everybody you can see in here today stands as a testimony to the goodness of that and the preciousness of that blood. All of us have a legacy and a heritage that goes way back into the, the, the ancient things of God and it reaches into today and says, the blood is still able. It's still powerful. And it's still available for you today. Today. There's no reason any of us should leave here today and say, I'm still in my worst week, my worst month, my worst decade. That can come to an end today. Church, I've crashed and burned. I've been disappointed. I've disappointed others. I've had sleepless nights. I've looked back and said, I should have done things differently. But God. But God, amen. God doesn't give up on people. Will you take a moment and just stand with me? Let's bow our heads together and let's just, let's just turn our hearts towards the Lord for a moment. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.